Well, it's another cold, wintry Friday here in Boston. Time for another Marketing Agility Podcast Roland. Great time for a podcast. It is. It's a wonderful time. Better time than listening to a certain inaugural speech today. We haven't really talked a lot about politics other than the fact that I'm going to make Agile Marketing great again. <laughs> Besides that, we've kind of kept politics out of the podcast and probably for a good reason. Yes, we are a welcome alternative, hopefully, to some of our listeners. Well, today, this is I'm going to do a mea culpa. I guess is that the proper term there? I'm going to blame myself for a mistake I made back in December. Today's guest, this podcast actually is a re-recording of a podcast we did in December, for which I was cleaning the desktop of my computer. And yes, I didn't have a backup and or a cover a copy of our podcast. This is just the second iteration of the podcast. That's true. We, we can, you know, I think practice makes perfect. The guest had a good good sense of humor about it, and she decided that she agreed to come back because she thought she always could do better. And as I guess we all think we can do better, but uh, she did an amazing job. And unfortunately, that one, that one will never see the light of day. So today is an ecosystem podcast. Does that sound good, Roland? I like sure. that. I like that yeah. word. It always makes it sound so much more important than we're talking to vendors. Yeah, this is a good one. She's so it's Denise Gray. She's the CMO over, over at LeanKit. You know, she has a pretty significant background in in agile and lean, I should say. Right. Before being at LeanKit, she was with a, a company I believe called Version One, and she's interesting because she has many years of experience with Scrum but is now at a place that's actually more focused on Kanban. So and that's an amazing, a good place to yeah, start and an amazing conversation about the evolution of Agile. That was pretty, my recollection from our last conversation was her depth of knowledge about the transition and, and how everything fits together. Those interconnections was pretty impressive and beyond yeah. my limited knowledge. Let's dial her in. Hey, Denise, thanks for joining. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? Awesome. Doing well. Great to have you back on the podcast with us, so to speak. So you bring a really interesting perspective to the podcast and for our listeners. You're coming from WeanKit, which is a solution provider, right? You're helping marketers and presumably folks who are working in many other disciplines as well apply an agile approach to their work. So we're, we're really interested to hear from you about how you came to Agile a little bit about, since you run the marketing organization at LeanKit, how you're using your own solution to support your marketing practice. And um, you know, then we can take it from there and, and learn about what's unique about your solution and what differentiates you in the marketplace. So maybe we could start just with that first question about how did you come to Agile and um, what's your background? I am the chief marketing officer at LeanKit, uh, where I've happily spent the last four plus years of my career. The story of how I came to Agile, specifically Agile marketing, I started practicing that in 2007 uh, while I was working for a Scrum tool vendor. Uh, while working for the company, my marketing team there practiced Scrum. That was about three and a half years that we were practicing Scrum to deliver all the work on behalf of the marketing team. During about the last year of my tenure there, my marketing team and I had gotten so good at delivering our work within the two-week sprints that we were practicing at the time that we started asking ourselves, why are we holding finished work until the end of the sprint? It doesn't make a lot of sense, which in many cases, honestly, we weren't. Uh, give you an example of that is when an event comes up 
you know, you can't say, well, you hold the date of that event until the end of the sprint. You know, you, you've got to get the work done and show up at the event and make the event happen. Additionally, one of the major pain points that we were having at that time was a lot of the unplanned work that marketing teams experience. We're really a service center for the entire company. And as much as we plan out our work and know what we're going to work on, there's just always unplanned work coming at us from all parts of the company. And as most people who practice Scrum know, inserting unplanned work once you've started a a sprint is a big no-no. However, when a sales team comes down and they absolutely need something for a big deal, you can't say, well, you wait till the next sprint, we'll prioritize it in, we'll get that done. It's You've got to react, you've got to, basically most, most teams will absorb that work uh, along with the original batch of work that was already in the sprint. Doing this two-week sprints or one-week sprints or three-week sprints, whatever your team is practicing, just back to back to back, I could really start to see the burnout that was happening with our team. So at that point, based on some of the needs we have that really Scrum wasn't satisfying, we began to explore other methods that are more built around continuous delivery versus time boxing like sprints. That just seemed to fit with more of our needs and and really helped us with uh, adapting to those constant changes and unplanned work with Kanban, which is the method that is you know, pretty much what people choose when they're in continuous delivery. You are now taking those batches that used to fit into a sprint. Now you're prioritizing the work and you're limiting down what your team is working on. And as you finish it, you actually deliver the value out to the organization. And that's why they think of it more as a continuous delivery type of methodology. So we really started to transition um, to using Kanban Uh, And by about 2012, I moved over to LinkIt, which is an agile project management tool that is based on Kanban, and we focus mainly on enterprises. So I've basically been practicing agile methods for about nine years. So can you give us a sense of the size and the shape of your current Kanban slash agile implementation internally? From marketing's perspective, right now we have about 15 people on the team, but the entire company practices Kanban. Reason being is, you know, a big thing that Lean brings to the table and Kanban is the method that really helps you implement Lean practices. Big things that you start to do is you start to reorganize into value streams uh, so that everybody that is working on generating a sale those teams are put together in virtual teams with all resources across the company that it, it might take. And we work together in one value stream. So it's everybody in the company uses LeanKit. All of our work is reflected up on boards across the company. And even more importantly, as Agile uh, used to be, when it was first introduced, Agile and Scrum, which is the methodology of choice, it really was targeting just at the team levels. Uh, one of the reasons I love Lean is it really starts to bring in the management teams. It, it's a way to change the culture to really drive more empowerment down to the teams. It really gets the leadership team in. So one of the things I love about LeanKit is it's not just cross-value streams. It, uh, we also have the capability inside the tool to do hierarchical levels of roll-up of work. So uh, if you were to look at the 
the board of our senior team, the large strategic initiatives are on that board. And then the work that satisfies those initiatives rolls down and out and across the company. So mm-hmm. um, the entire organization really uses LinkedIn. Yeah, Denise, you're touching on uh, some themes that come up regularly with our guests, talking about how do marketers effectively implement Agile, but also have it tie into and integrate tightly with strategic direction coming from top down. We, Some folks we've talked to, for example, talk about how they use an OKR framework to cascade down goals through the company. It sounds like you're using WeanKit both horizontally to keep teams in alignment, but also to get that cascading of goals down through each team. So, That's um, correct. Yeah. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit um, more? You talked about these value streams. How do, do you have small cross-functional teams that are working against those value teams or is it a matrix structure? Can you speak to that a little bit? We've actually experimented uh, with a number of different things. One of our customers is Spotify and I'm not sure if you've been introduced to the Spotify model that's we know them well. In fact, we have somebody coming on the show from Spotify next, I believe. Outstanding. Um, well, we have implemented the Spotify model uh, within our development team. They were the first to start to align around squads and guilds and you know, really aligning those value streams where all the people that were needed on a particular value stream all were organized together. And you know, we've had really good success with that. We've had learnings and modifications as, as all teams do with any initial framework. And so last year, we really started spreading that across the entire organization. So when marketing um, sits down and we're looking at demand gen campaigns, we have aligned everybody that it takes within um, within that value stream. So it's customer success, it's sales, it's marketing. Even many times it's the product team because we do a lot of our campaigns through the product, upgrades through the product. So we all organize in one value stream and, you know, figure out what those initiatives are, break the work down and then deliver it as a as a single team. So can you talk to us about the genesis of a value stream? Is this something that someone on your team is inspired by or is it something that's, you know, I'm, th- I'm wondering, is are they bottom up? Top down, middle in? Normally, you know, value streams are a big part of lean. So as you start to read about lean, you know, the the concept there is organizing teams around the value they deliver. And in the example I gave with demand gen, you know, the, the value we're trying to deliver is more leads for the sales team. And so every resource it takes to create those campaigns, deliver those campaigns so that leads are popping out the end, highly qualified leads for the sales team, you start to say, okay, uh, what are the people involved in this? What do they need to do? What are the handoffs that go from each team slash person to the next? And so you basically draw out the end-to-end process it takes across the multiple parts of the company, functional groups, and you draw it out and you outline all the handoffs. And then that becomes your process that you reflect up on a LinkedIn Kanban board. And then everybody participates in that. So we actually have our professional services team that came in with marketing 
with the marketing team and multiple teams last year, and we did a workshop to just really think through who's involved, when are they involved, what are the multiple handoffs, and we mapped it out on a whiteboard, and then we built it as a value stream and link it. It it sounds ominous. It's actually not. It's actually just, okay, what happens next? And who do you hand that off to? And what happens next? And then, then who gets involved? And so it's a series of questions that the cross-functional team is asking themselves. And you, you just map out essentially what you're doing today. You just haven't mapped it out in an end-to-end process. And you haven't really thought of it that way. But now all of a sudden the intent team can visualize it and we can see where work is coming down the pike. Sales now can say, oh, marketing's accomplished this. They've done this. They're handing off here. And you can just follow the work all the way through the value stream. So sometimes when we say that word, people are like, oh, I don't know what you mean. That's kind of scary. It's actually not. It's actually a lot of fun to, to sit and map out your value stream and then work within these value streams. Some of our other guests may may have referred to the same kind of concept as, you know, aligning cross-functional teams against business initiatives. But it's interesting to hear you put it in the parlance of lean. It makes a lot of sense to me. Going back to the your previous comments about how LeanKit allows you to kind of cascade these goals down to each of the teams that might be focused on one of these value streams from Period to period, I'm assuming that, you know, you might be rebalancing the level of investment that you make as as the needs of the business change. What is the cadence on which you're kind of refactoring the investment of each team? Or to say it another way, what's the what's the cadence at which you're kind of reevaluating and pushing new goals down to the teams that are working on those value streams? Well, from a senior team perspective, while, and here's one thing I, I definitely want to say, many people think because you're going to continuous delivery that there's, the planning goes away and it couldn't be more the opposite. You mm-hmm. still start with your strategic plans. We we tend to look at a year and then we really focus on six months because if you go further than six months, so much is going to happen within that six months time frame, and you want to be able to adapt to it and react to it. So we at the senior team, we really focus in on that six month time frame. We decide what the initiatives are and that's all done with, you know, the different uh, functional departments as a as a combined uh, leadership team. We put that up on a board and then we start to look at, okay, what are the value streams within those initiatives? And we start cascading the boards down until you get all the way down to the team boards. And so anybody sitting on a team working within a value stream, if we are hearing them say, I don't know how what I do every day contributes to these overall goals, then, you know, we fail because you literally using LinkedIn, it all cascades down. People at the team level can see all the way up. People at the executive team can see all the way down because the metrics all roll up. The status all rolls up. So the status of these bigger initiatives are moving across the board for the senior team. Um, They're moving across the board for the middle layer of management and they're moving across. Obviously, the teams are moving things across. So it's it's a cascade visibility, as you said, not only out, but even, even more importantly, up. It seems like from the way you're talking about it, we've heard this in recent podcasts. We had some folks on from CA and some other places where it doesn't obviate the need for 
a high level strategic planning and some vision and that conversation across departments that those cross functional conversations which are what are the initiatives that we all really are aligned among i love it because you start to get out of what is marketing going to do now do we do planning of hey we got a martech stack let's plan to you know swap this out of course we do all those kinds of things but you know, one of the things about starting with the strategic initiatives and then cascading them down is everybody's aware of them. Everybody starts to understand why you're picking the things to prioritize because they roll up to the strategic initiative. So the conversations shift from, why aren't you doing my thing? When are you going to do my thing? To they can literally look at the marketing board and we have multiple boards across the team, but they can literally come in, look at the marketing board. It's open to the entire organization. They can see the things we've prioritized, um, but even better, you know, because you link the work from top to bottom, bottom to top, you literally can see how that work cascades all the way up to a strategic initiative. So the, the conversation stops being a tactical and it becomes okay, I have something that I need your help on. It contributes to this larger strategic initiative. Let's sit down and figure out how we can prioritize the work within the larger goals that we're all trying to accomplish. Okay, let me try and switch gears here. I'm curious, thanks for all the insight into how you're using your, your own solution. I'd love to give our listeners a little bit of insight into what differentiates your solution from some of the other offerings in, in the space, right? In the last, I would say, couple of years, we've seen a proliferation of tools to support marketers that are interested in taking on Agile. You've already spoken to the fact that you, know, you have a... You, you lean pretty heavily on uh, Kanban to, to make a pun, which is great. And so that's a little bit different than some of the other tools, which might be more Scrum-oriented or might offer support for both those methodologies. Can you speak a little bit to how you integrate with some of the other systems that marketers might use? For example, a CRM solution like Salesforce, where you know salespeople may have tasks in the Salesforce task environment? Is there integrations that exist between LeanKit or, or what, what does your partner ecosystem look like? We do have integrations with a lot of the majority of the systems of record that uh, create the demand for the work that comes on, you know, the board for marketing or for our development team. Because normally the demand that's created for a lot of the service center types of functional groups, you know, a lot of it's cre- it starts somewhere else. It starts in some other system of record. So we do have integrations with those systems. Our target market today, we've highly focused on IT. That's mainly because that's where all of this started. So we have, you know, really deep integrations with tools. I'll give you an example, like ServiceNow. A lot of the work that comes into the service desk within IT departments gets logged into ServiceNow, but it has to go to a dev team to do the work or an IT team to configure something for a customer. So we integrate with ServiceNow. The work, you know, comes, there's no manual. It just starts in ServiceNow. It gets pushed over to a LinkedIn board. The team works the ticket across the board, and then it is updated back in ServiceNow as a system of records. So LeanKit ends up being the queuing system for for your service desk? I would say that the queuing actually happens with the original system, and in this case, ServiceNow, 
the priority of what gets worked happens pretty much within that system. Okay. And then it's pushed over with the prioritization tag to it. I see. So are they, you know, the folks who are managing those tickets, are they managing the tickets in two places? They have the ticket in their system, and now it's time to be handed off to actually be worked. And so if they're handing it off, let's say, to an IT operations team. Okay, I get it. So if it's okay. if it requires another department, to, like someone in dev needs to fix a bug, well, then, yes. then it gets, I see what you're saying. From the perspective of marketing, you know, a lot of our work doesn't originate, I would say, in Salesforce. A lot of our work is self-originated. We're the ones who know we need to update an SEO, an organic search page, we're the ones who know we need to create this campaign, and we originate the work on our board. Um, again, if everyone in the organization is using LinkedIn, as you get requests from other parts of the company, you know they start the work request on their board, and then they pass it over to the marketing board. It actually shows up in the backlog, and then the marketing team knows there's a request there, and we prioritize that within our other work and then work it across the board and then send the completed work uh, back to the originating team. Amazing insights again to, to what you guys are doing and how it all fits together. You know, we'd love to try to have you back at some point in the not too distant future. Uh, I would love that. We also are, Roland and I are organizing some additional, maybe some group podcasts where we're trying to talk about uh, for the new year, the future of agile in marketing. And maybe we can have you join the party when we do these group podcasts coming up in the next few months. I would love to. And as a note to our listeners, the Marketing Agility podcast in, in the history of the blog can be found on the agile on agilemarketingblog.com you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and there might can I do a plug for one thing absolutely, absolutely. go ahead one of the tools we've created for teams uh, especially teams that either aren't using a methodology today they might be trying to make the jump from time box scrum to continuous delivery kanban we've created a piece of content it's called the kanban roadmap and it is you know applied how to get started what to do how to think about it and we offer that out to the world so you can find that at info.linkit.com forward slash kanban dash roadmap or okay we'll put a link to that yeah, we'll put a link to that in our show notes. Uh, okay. And final thing to our listeners, if you have a story to tell, you have want to share with the world how you're trying to make it all work or any outrageously huge successes that you're having out there. Is that good, Roland? <laughs> you can reach out to Roland at rsmartly on Twitter or myself at Tangy Slice on Twitter. Thank you again, Denise, for joining us. And thank you, everyone. And please stay agile. <laughs>